Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And since the intro of the podcast is where I've decided to air all of my dirty laundry from, you know, 15 years ago, uh, I was recently reminded of the hardest I was ever curved by somebody. And thinking about it now uh, makes me die a little bit inside because my first form of like, I guess you would call it instant messaging was email. And my parents didn't want me to have like a Facebook or anything like that. So it was just email. So I would literally log on to, you know, Comcast.net, log into my email and I would email my friends. Yep. Same. I loved it. I Yeah, me too. Uh, except I took like every formality with it. I still added a subject line. I addressed the person. I signed off. Even if it was just like a like a one sentence response. And I'm like, and thinking about it back then, I'm like, this is, this is awful. This is probably the worst thing a 12 year old could do for their social life. And I remember I was emailing this girl I had a crush on. And I'm just like, okay, here we go big moment. And so I said, Hey, if you ever want to call me, here's my phone number. And this was back in the day of like, if like parents would instill in you, if somebody got your phone number, they're going to kill you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I said, here's my phone number. Do not share this with anyone. And almost immediately I got a response of why would I ever want to call you? Oof, bro. Which is, hey, there's no recovering from that. Just in general, you've lost. I lost. Okay. Well, what email service were you using? Uh, I mean, we were just, I was on Comcast. What was she on? I don't know. Why would I know that? This is important. This is very important. Okay. There's levels to this. I'm saying if she had, there's top tier Gmail after that. This was like 2008. After that, you got Yahoo. And then after that, you have the Hotmails. And then after that, you have Comcast AOL. So okay. if she was above you, <laughs> she probably made some assumptions about who you are as a person. So you are implying some sort of mid-aughts email hierarchy. Right. Where she's like, oh, I mean, I would have gave this guy the time of day except for... He's got a Comcast, and I'm over here in the future with Gmail. Okay, that's fair. And um, maybe all I'm saying is maybe it wasn't personal. Also, I will say what did not help my case was um, I learned that you could customize your emails in a lot of ways. Like um, you could change the font and the font size and the font color, and I used and abused that feature. So I'm like, here's my phone number in rainbow colors. And I thought like, yes, I'm nailing it with this one. And she's like, no, you aren't. Let me know you are not. Bro, when I got an email, your boy was writing love letters. Like Shakespearean, let me count the ways I'm in love with you. It was 500 word minimum, and it was Shakespearean. You know, you would write a 500 letter email or a 500 word email, and then you would get it back. I can picture this in your head where you got a response and you think they didn't even read the whole thing. Yeah, because what would end up happening is they'd be like, I'm going to have to. Here's what they would say. It'd be six sentences, 
oh my gosh, this is the most wonderful thing that anyone's ever said to me. I'm going to have to keep this forever. Maybe I'll print it off. Um, I can't wait to see you again. Um, I, you know, you make me, it's all romantic stuff. And then I'm thinking, are we not going to talk about the subjects I brought up? Yeah. I brought up the different kinds of love where the history of courtship and how we're defining our era of romance. And you're just going to tell me, Hey, I liked it. Like what? (laughs) Hey man. No, clear your calendar for this weekend because I've obviously won you over. Yeah. Break it down for me. What was your favorite part? What parts have you never heard before? Are you just going to say, Oh my gosh, that was so sweet. I'm going to save this. Can't wait to see you next. Let's talk about it, bro. I broke down words you haven't heard before. You're a freshman in high school, my dude. And I'm breaking it down for you as an eighth grader. What you got? Yeah. Um, I would eventually, oh, there's just so many, like, I think about the cringy, um, early in like early internet for us ways of communication. Cause like I, we didn't quite have like Facebook messenger or anything like that. So I remember doing a lot of conversations in the comments of Facebook posts uh, oh, and like, dude, it was, which is not the way to do it because no, it's everyone not. can read it. My dude. Yeah. Everybody. And so like Facebook has almost always had a messenger like feature, but it was not as ubiquitous as it is today. And so like you would have to be online, set your status to active, make sure that they were also active. And I, Ooh, I spent so many times, to- so many nights just like waiting for a response from that girl and then just like not getting one back and just like always refreshing the page. Like she must've sent something back. She must've sent something back. Is this pathetic? Is this sad and pathetic? Bro, let me tell you something. Let me break it down for you. Everyone knows a relationship starts out for the poke on Facebook. Oh yeah. I've gotten oh, yeah. all of my girlfriends minus my now wife from pokes on Facebook. It has a like 99% kill rate, dude. It ends up in a relationship or at least serious conversation. Excuse Nine me, times I out of 10. To... It's foolproof, bro. Excuse it's me, so I need good. to go poke some people on Facebook. Hold if on. you're not, po- dude, poking is legit. You got to do it. Another thing, Snapchatting was a banger back in the day. So you could just hit people up just to maintain the streak. Banger. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you could see like, if you were best friends, so you could see if they were talking to anybody else as much as they were talking to you, it was murderous, bro. And yeah. you could save conversations. Dude, it was it was fire. Changed the game. Although um, in high school, I do know of several relationships that lived exclusively and therefore died exclusively on Snapchat. And I'm so, like, well, what do you expect? <laughs> and then, then it branched off. One of two things happened. You either gave them your cell phone number and you started texting, or if it was going to get real naughty... You brought him on kick. K-I-K. K-I-K kick is where I would say the worst parts of the internet kind of like gathered for a little while. It's where a bunch of minors got together and then a bunch of people who were into minors sent secret messages that they didn't want their parents to see. Because app-based messaging was pretty new at that point. So they knew to check your text messages they knew to check your snapchat they knew to check facebook but kick kick was able to hide in the corner over there yeah kick was the whatsapp before the chinese got involved (laughs) it was legit it was crazy it was a wild west but i mean that's the breakdown of of the aughts relationships in early 2010s and you know what i don't miss it (laughs) i don't don't miss miss it. it 
but I it was the time it was it, it was the golden it, years. You're nostalgic. It's it, it's I'm very, very nice nostalgic. to feel nostalgic. For you could it. just it was fun times, bro, at the OK Corral. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the movie this week, Alex. What are we watching? We're watching just for diversity's sake a romance, and I wouldn't okay, even say it's well, it's it's romance it with comedy, romance. but it's a romance. It's not a. It wouldn't say it's a rom com though. Also, the fact that you're just like, we're only doing this because I don't want it to be just Christopher Nolan movies. You're really downplaying how much you like this movie. No, I love this movie. Yeah. But I had to get diverse because all the movies I like have DiCaprio or the Christian Nolan. That's my top five. So this is a deviation, although it has some serious Christopher Nolan themes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's time travel. Um, and it's got the sweetheart, Rachel McAdams. It's a takes place in... The British Isles, and it's yeah. fire, dude. It's but, so good. Break it down for your audience if you haven't seen it. It's about time. Came out hey, in 2013. We have rated it. Hold on. Two Wait. hours, time three out. minutes. Time out. We haven't we haven't cut away yet. We haven't done the time code yet. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all you need to know. Hit it with them, Craig. Okay, here's the time code. If you want to do the next segment, time code 27 minutes 55 seconds. About time is a very British movie. And I freaking love it, dude. I will admit, though, I I watched this with my mom and dad. And when I was explaining it to them, I did accidentally, well, I was like, okay, so here's kind of the premise of the movie. I did accidentally tell them that we were watching Me Before You, which is an Amelia Clark romance movie and is Mm. very different. Because they have very similar posters. Because I think they're both wearing like red dresses on the poster. So I'm like, oh yeah, Me Before You, About Time, same movie. No, very different. Do you know what's close to this movie? The Time Traveler's Wife. Which that is also McAdams true. is also in. The breakdown of this plot is General Hux is uh, part of a family where the men can time travel. They can only time travel backwards and they can only time travel to parts to just places they've been right it's parts in their own life and so basically he the the sky whose name i forget i just refer to him as tim yeah uh is like i want to have a girlfriend so his main priority with using this power is getting a girlfriend but i'm glad they addressed it immediately like hey can i use this to get rich yeah you can it's not worth it though Hey, can you use this to change his change history? I mean, he's like, well, we've been doing it for centuries, and I don't think we screwed up anything yet. So he he addressed like the big stuff off the bat, and he goes, everyone usually focuses on one or two things. He goes, well, what did you focus on? He goes, books. I've read everything. Um, and he goes, well, what are you gonna focus on? Uh, Dad says, Tim. Um, and he goes, I want to get a girlfriend. And you get this power at twenty one, and this guy has had almost no luck with women up to this point, and then and- he meets Margot Robbie. Yeah, and so this power is like we we get like the experimentation of it through Margot Robbie's character. She stays at their house over the course of a summer, and so Tim plays with time travel just enough to where like could this have worked out? Are things meant to be no matter what? Like how much, you know, fluidity do we have here? And at the end of the day, the time travel part, it doesn't feel super important. Which it's, I think what it feels like is a redo button. Yeah. Like the, fa- I, like the fact that he can go back years. He never goes back years. He nine times out of 10, he's going back 15 minutes. Yeah. Or like he's just redoing the night. Right. And so 
overall, I think that's a very big strength of this movie is while this movie uses the time travel like concept a lot, it doesn't feel like it burdens the movie. It doesn't feel like it's it just it doesn't feel like a sci-fi movie because of it. Yeah, it is a romantic movie and it's so good, bro. It's it's very good. It's very it's very funny. It's very charming. Uh I don't how do you say this Dom Hall Domnal Gleason? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Domnal Gleason and Rachel McAdams have very good chemistry together. Bill Nighy like freaking rules. He's I so good in this movie. I want him as my dad so bad. Um and Kit Kat as a sister was yeah. fire. That whole family just rules. Big fan. Um, oh, <laughs> Uncle D is a very fun character. <sighs> Love him where, to death. Uh, so, yeah, it's Bill Nighy's uh, brother in the movie. And he basically uses his time travel so extensively that he doesn't know where he is or who he's with or why they are important. So, and, and it's not a big deal. So just like two or three times in the movie, there's a joke where uncle D is like, and who are you again? Uncle D she's been with us all summer. And it's just like jokes like that. It's super yeah. silly and corny and it, and it, and it rocks. It's, it's awesome, dude. And I mean, it's, it's a great family and it's very charming. And then what I love about the main character, Tim, is he's using if your goal is to find love, he is doing it how all of us would do it. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna give it one good shot. I'm not gonna nitpick. I'm gonna do it the entire thing through. Oh, I botched this area. Let me go back and do this again. If it goes better, we'll just keep it. I'm not going for perfection. Okay? Yeah, because there are certain parts when he's still learning kind of like the rules of his version of time travel. He does some blunders that I think he definitely should have gone back on. Like he spends the entire week at this art exhibit because he knows Rachel McAdams loves this specific artist. So he's like, if I stay here long enough, she will show up. I, I, she has to. And she finally does. And he tries to talk to her, but he's using all of the information he already knows, but she doesn't know that he knows it. Right. So he just he comes knows, off. Cause he had a previous conversation with her at night in a restaurant, right? They, they hit it off. That's how they met. But then he had to go back in time to help out his roommate slash landlord. So because he went back in time and did that instead that night, she no longer knows who he is. But he still has all the information he gained that night. So when he re- runs into her again, he goes, hey, I know you're into this artist. I know what your name is. I know most of your sensibilities. I know your family, all that stuff. And she's like, who are you? And, and I think that, that is- was a charming moment, though, because we got to see some of the stuff over and over again. Like, Mary, that's my mom's name. Yeah, and it's a charming moment, but I, I, I think that is something that I would have gone back and redone, but he just rolls with those punches. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, Tim, man, you could have redone that and not have been such a creep about it. I think my he would have if this wasn't a movie. Okay. But because yeah. it's the movie, there's actually surprisingly few times we see the same scene more than twice. Which is good. Which is yeah, really good. It would get old. Very, this is not Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's not the same thing over and over again. We get to see a person's life where he has the option to do things over again. This is the third time travel movie we've reviewed on the podcast, right? No, right. fourth. We did Groundhog Day. We did this one. Tenet and Day After Tomorrow. And they're all bangers. <laughs> um, not a miss in the bunch, bro. Uh, I'm trying to think. 
Uh, I really liked, like you said, I, I really liked Kit Kat. Um, Kit Kat was like, she's um, kind of like. The dysfunctional sister. Yeah. But because they're on, the only siblings to each other, there is a deep connection between them. So although you're making mis- mistakes, it's 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 not that they're dysfunctional against each other. It's just that she makes mistakes in life. Yeah, but the like, relationship can't hold is down a job, doesn't right. have a healthy relationship, and like she refers to herself as like the failure of the family. Like everyone's got to have a failure, and I guess I'm the one. But and, she's still a great sister, which yeah. I think makes her very easy to be around. Because even yes. though, like, because in a lot of stories, the deadbeat or the person who's not successful or makes mistakes is also not a good person to be around. No, this is yeah. a genuinely good person whose life isn't going the way they want it to be. Uh, and like we said, this movie's funny. Um, we get there's a scene where uh, where we meet Mary, who is Rachel McAdams. We meet Mary's parents, and we only meet we never see them again. And they are only introduced for like a scene of comedy, and it works very well because oh, awesome. they show up in like a spur of the moment. Like they don't know that Mary and Tim are dating, let alone sleeping together, let alone almost living together. And just like almost instantly Tim like botches it. And, yeah. but he doesn't go back in time for it. He's just like, all right, this is just, these are the cards that I've dealt now. I think he's also extremely wise because he realizes there's a, this guy, we just watch him learn how life works. Not only how time traveling works, but how life works. Cause when he's trying to get Margot Robbie, he's had all summer, he goes and redoes part of it. And at one point she's like, I wish you would have talked to me earlier this summer and maybe we could have had a relationship. And then he goes, all right, I'll just go back beginning of the summer, like a one weekend. She's like, I love this idea. Reach out to me last day of the summer and maybe something will happen. And he goes, that's when I realized time travel cannot make someone fall in love with you because they just don't know what they don't know. So that was like yeah. one big realization. Another one, I think we realized, but he doesn't say it like overtly, is you can't use time travel to change who you are as a person. Yeah. Because he's still awkward as a human being. And he's like, I'm not going to use time travel to change how awkward i am i'm just gonna give it another shot so whether that's like the whole museum stuff when he's interacting with her boyfriend it's just uncomfortable yeah (laughs) he doesn't go back and change it he needs information and this it's it's fire dude this movie is also kind of heartbreaking at times oh it is a real emotional roller coaster so we're gonna get a little spoilery now so if if you were avoiding that for any reason you know here we're going into it now um the first thing that we see is um there's a point where tim is like okay i want to help kit kat effectively not be a deadbeat and this all starts when she meets her abusive boyfriend so we're gonna go back in time when they meet and i'm gonna stop her from meeting him she goes back so they go back they do it he comes back to the present and the kid that he has with mary is no longer the same kid than before they went back in time and so then we get another rule explanation of you cannot travel back in time before your child is born because no matter what you do it will cause your child to be different he goes yeah do you have a finite he's like says like because he pulls his dad aside and goes hey what just happened i have a different kid and he goes i should have mentioned this before i'm surprised it didn't come up (laughs) you have millions and billions of sperm if anything changes you have a different kid you need to keep everything exactly the same. 
So what happens is we cut to a scene where his sister is back in the hospital and you realize he let her be in a car accident because if he didn't change anything, then he would have the same kid. So he's like, I have to get my one. It was on his, he'd been with the same kid for one years old, which by the way, my daughter's one year old. So when that happened, I'm like, oh yeah, dude, I'm not, I can't start over with another kid right now. Yeah, I told I'm on his side. I do not blame him at all for that. Yeah, I'm like, because listen, I know I can save her life and this kid's only one, but I can't I can't do this all over again. Yeah, and she doesn't die from the car accident or anything. Like she ends up recovering yeah. and they're able to get her down a path of recovery after she's uh out, after she's out of the hospital. So they're able to still turn her life around, but just not as soon as he quote unquote yeah. could have with he, his time power. He basically had he couldn't save the year she had already wasted. Yeah. Because he wanted to go and just change the course of her life. And he goes, I can't. I can't do that anymore. And after we get introduced to this rule, we find out that uh, Tim's dad is sick and he's dying. And he has and- cancer. And then you realize the reason he retired at 50 and spent so much time with his kids is because he's been here before. Yeah. So he went back in time. Got all the money he needed, retired early, and spent all his time with his kids because he knew he was going to have cancer. So, golly, bro. Yeah, it's rough. This oh movie. my gosh. And then after his dad eventually passes, Mary brings up, hey, let's have another kid. And you see this moment in Tim's eyes where he doesn't have to say anything. You just know, like, when this kid is born, He's not going to be able to see his dad anymore. Also, what makes this even harder of a moment is they're not allowed to tell anybody they can travel in time. Yeah. So this entire time, Mary hasn't known. She has no idea that what she just asked of him is to never visit his dad in the past ever again. Because after after his dad dies, we still get a few more scenes of them hanging out. You know, um, Tim goes back and like tells him how the funeral was. Uh, and he kind of has like a reconciliation moment with his death. And there are just other scenes of him hanging out. But as soon as Mary is like, let's have another kid. Tim is like, okay. Um, he tries to push back a little bit. He's not quite ready to close that door, but he eventually comes to the conclusion of like, no, She's right. We we should do this. And so there's this very emotional scene of Tim and his dad hanging out. And his dad is the one that realizes like, oh, this is this is the last time for you. This is our last time together. Right. It's at the last possible moment. She's going into labor. He's like, I, you don't know how well I know the route to the hospital at this point. He's done it a million times. And of course, he has no idea what he's talking about. So he goes back to be with his dad. And he's like, is there anything you want to do? So what they do, he goes, listen, as long as we don't change anything, we should be good. I want to go back to a beach. So they kick it back even further to when Tim was like seven. He's on the beach with his dad. And it's just the two of them and they're playing. And that's the last time they got to see each other. And I'm like, my heart is getting ripped out at this point, bro. Yeah. It is so sad. Because having a family member die is sad. Knowing it's coming. Knowing this is my last moment. And then also having that last moment be perfect is gut wrenching. It's yeah. And on top of that, there's like additional layers of having your family member taken from you via death, but not taken from you because you have the ability to go back and see them. But then having them being taken again because of a choice you are making. 
Right. So there's like a like a duality of it that's just extra painful. Dude, it was one of those times that as soon there's no way to do it, but it've been one of those things that like, "Hey dad, let me know 9 months ahead of time when you're about to die. I'll have another kid." And then I'll always just be able to revisit your memory. Yeah, we'll just stop having kids before you die. Yeah, let me know. We'll get it out of the way by then. And then I will always visit you. Yeah, and that's an ideal world. But obviously, yeah, like you said, a lot more difficult. Pretty difficult. Also, he had no way of doing that because his dad would have had... It would have really messed up time Yeah. by doing that. And so we just watch his last moment with his dad, which is a childhood memory, which was literally perfect. And it was hard, bro. It was rough and beautiful, beautiful story. This movie ends kind of suddenly, wouldn't you say? Like this, the, I would say the emotional climax of this movie is, you know, everything with his father and whatnot. And and then the movie goes on for about like another 10, 15 minutes and just kind of like almost kind of like an eighties pop song where they don't finish the song. It just fades until the audio stops that's how this movie goes out okay and but yeah. i'll tell you why because it taught you life lessons it's like all right yeah. I've, I've showed you this movie now i'm going to tell you how i lived life and then he goes dude this was the most beautiful freaking moments because he goes my dad taught me how to live a perfect life before he died he said the first time you go through a day live it exactly how you normally would like everybody else then on the second time always go back and redo the day a second time because now that you know how it's going to end, there's no anxiety about it. You can just live, observe, and be happy in the moment. So he does that for like a couple of years. And then he gets to a point where he goes, I don't even time travel anymore. Because the worth of the moment is the fact that it only can happen once. And the movie ends with him letting his wife, you know, our, our girl Rachel McAdams sleep in. And he goes and makes breakfast for his three kids. And I'm like, this is my life. This is all of our lives. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, this movie is really good. It, like, if you want a slice of life romance movie, that's like it doesn't like beat down the concept of romance. It doesn't, and it doesn't get hung up on the sci-fi elements of it. But it's all. also it's like not, it's romance, but it's also like just a family relationship, like relationship with your dad, finding love and a wife. What it's like to be a father. It was like. It's deep, bro. And it takes place over eight years. So you see when he gets the powers at 21 and then the movie supposedly ends around 29. Yeah, this movie, this movie rules. It's one of the faves. Yeah, I think this movie sits at a flat eight for me. It's a flat nine for me. Yeah. And it hits harder as I get older, which I did not (laughs) anticipate. Um. Looking at the trivia for this movie, it's, uh, IMDb says that Zoe Deschanel was originally cast. And let me tell you, Zoe, you're great at what you do. I am so glad this was a Rachel McAdams movie. Rachel McAdams knocked it out of the park, and she is the benchmark. And it would have been a different movie, and dare I say, a worse movie, had anyone else been in this role. Not even Zoe Deschanel, just anybody else. It was cast perfectly. Shout out Joanna, who plays the friend, Rich McAdams. Um, she did a great job. His friend, Jay. Vanessa the whole Kirby best is her friend name. scene, or the uh, best man scene. Fire. Everything. Dude, this movie's so good, man. Yeah. This is, I, this is the perfect watch with your partner movie. Yeah. Without a doubt. Banger. Certified banger. All right. Are you ready for the improv segment? Let's do it. Hard tonal pivot. <laughs> Um, 
This week we are doing half cast, and the way this works is Alex and I both have a script on our end, except they are it's only one half of a script, and it's up to the other person to fill in their own dialogue. And the person that wrote the script will not be changing what they wrote. So it's gonna get chaotic and confusing and won't make sense very fast. All right, Craig, do you want to go first or want me to go first? Um, I want you to go first. Okay, here we go. All you need to know is you're torturing me. <laughs> okay. Listen, man, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. I don't, I don't care how badly I have to hurt you. I just need to know the location of the money. I told you I have never met him before. Well, then why would he tell me that you knew where the money was? He told me he just needed a driver. I didn't know things were going to get so crazy. Okay, so we really need to be blaming this other guy then. I swear, that's it. Well, that's not going to do it for me, is it? What are you talking about? I mean, I need a little bit more information, and I'm willing to go to, I'm going to say, great lengths to take care of that. What is she doing here? She had nothing to do with this. Oh, well, I know that I just need to give you a little bit more pressure. So, She's innocent. Innocent schminnocent. Tell me what I want to know, or she dies? Get your hands off of her. I swear on my life you will not get away with this. You have ten seconds to tell me what I need to know. Look into my eyes, Angie. He's not going to hurt you. I promise. Hey, hey, stop it. Please. Um, well, you're not giving me what I need to know, so I'm only going to make this harder for you. I don't know. Maybe six of them? I don't remember. Well, this clearly isn't going the way that I hoped, so maybe we need to take things up even further. Dude, it was just popcorn. How was I supposed to know the bucket expired? It's not about what you don't know. It's about what you do now. So please, if we could move this on a little bit. Let her go. And I'll give you the show times. Fine. Let her go. Okay, Angie. I need you to jump in a car and drive to that place with the pool we were at last summer. My friend Lloyd will take care of you. Don't worry about me. I'll see if I can make it. Okay. Well, sounds that sounds like a good plan for you two, but you won't be going anywhere. Okay. Okay. We're okay. Tell, tell me the show times, I guess. I'll never tell you. And you're never going to take me alive, Coxgun. Where did you, where, what was your vision for that scene? Listen, man, here's what happened. I'll give you a little peek behind the curtains, a little behind the scenes. You're a very, very serious movie theater manager. And a bunch of my friends not only used expired buckets to get free popcorn and free refills, but they were movie hopping. And you wanted to know when they were there, what show times, and who was involved. And not only did you kidnap me and torture me, but you kidnapped my lover and you brought her to this place and you started torturing her. Okay. Hey, I'm maybe, Hey, maybe we can get, you know, Mr. Abrams and he can turn that scene into a reality. It was bonafide, bro. Bonafide. Bang. All right. Greg, what you got for me? All right. Uh, no setup for you. I think you'll, you, you'll kind of get the gist of it as we go. Okay. Sweet. Damn it. Jessica. What did I say about disturbing me in my chambers? I'm sorry. I just thought this was important. Well, what emergency could possibly be so important you're disturbing me now of all times? It's mom. She's not feeling well. I know. 
I no longer care about my father. He hasn't cared about me in years. I, I also forgot to mention that your father's doing horrible. So now we both are losing parents. I don't care if he's my family. You're my only family now. Not my father, not Uncle John, not Frederick, not Carissa, not Samantha, not Tamali, not Ingrid. Just you. I mean, all those people are important. And I think if we don't get both of our parents to the hospital, we're going to lose even more people? I only have my work, Jessica. Ever since our failed expansion last year, I don't want to take any more risks. I'm comfortable where I am. We need to move them. I don't care if they're in your will. I don't care if you're not in theirs. We need to save them. You say that now, but what about when something goes wrong again? And they will always go wrong again. We have to do something. Don't just let them die in my arms. You can tell them whatever you want. Before you leave, hand me my hydrator, will you? It's called a water bottle. We've been over this. If all goes according to plan, this machine will be able to extract just enough water out of the air to be drinkable, but not too much to remove humidity from the air. Not only does that not make sense, but the water bottle has been invented for thousands of years. You're not that great. I know it. I just need to turn it on. (laughs) Damn it, I accidentally made another speaker that only plays the high school musical soundtrack. I always knew you were going to fail me. I'm going to get help right now. You would think this wouldn't be possible to happen once, let alone multiple times. On accident, too. Not only are we going to get in trouble for you putting music in our conversation, but I'm wearing a wire. I'm not sure there's going to be a next time. I'm sick, Jessica. The same thing my father's got. Well, I've known you were sick. How about that? And I've been denying you treatment. I don't want to face my own mortality. I need to live forever, even by legacy. What do you mean, legacy? I wish I had your confidence, coxgun. Beautiful. (laughs) Two dramas back to back, bro. Yeah, I wrote you as a very caring and affectionate partner, but uh, apparently not. I was was caring and affectionate, but not towards you. (laughs) I was trying to save someone's life. Two people's lives immediately after I realized your father was in danger. (laughs) Bangers, bro. I don't know if you've, I don't know if we've ever called a shot as heavy as you called that first line right there. Dude, I didn't know what to say. Okay. (laughs) You gave me no clue what I needed. And I'm like, uh, family member. (laughs) All right. That was half cast. Always a banger. Uh, middle segment. We're doing some moonlighting, and moonlighting is when we have watched so much content that we can't fit it all into a single freeballing segment. So we're just going to spend the next, oh, I don't know, three and a half hours talking about what we've been watching recently. Sounds like a plan to me. I got seven movies locked and loaded. What you coming with, Craig? All right. I'm going to start with Morbius. I watched Morbius yesterday as of recording. Sweet. And that movie is, how do I put this? Bad. Bad. It's bad. It seems like that's a bit of a hot take nowadays. People seem to have loved it. That's not true. You're just (laughs) trying to call your shot for when this podcast comes out next week. Um, Yeah. I mean, Jared Leto's getting ripped to pieces. 
Yeah, and uh, rightfully so. So the main complaints I have about this movie is the character of Michael Morbius is super weak and shallow because he's when we're first introduced to him, he's like the, I'm a doctor that will do anything it takes to cure my patients. I'm going to do unethical things for the sake of medicine. And then when he becomes vampire Morbius, uh, he's like, I can't let anyone die. I'm not going to let him hurt anyone. I'm like, whoa, where was this kind of pivot? You kind of changed a little bit there, man. So that was frustrating. Um, the costume design was not great. The special effects were okay. But when as soon as they had to like animate somebody's face, it was really bad. Matt Smith looks like a ghoul from Fallout 3. Oh, no. <laughs> And uh, the action scenes were cool enough, but inconsistent. I could tell that this guy, the, whoever directed this, wanted to do a lot at once. So the first scene where Morbius is like a vampire, there is a slow-mo shot, a shot where blood is on the lens of the camera, a shot done in first person, and a shot done from security cameras. Man, All this in the same guy scenes. recently got out of film school. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, all of these are cool tricks. Don't use them all at once, please. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't hate it. It wasn't like a dumpster fire. There were redeemable moments. It's just the writing was super sloppy and the details were like inconsistent. Oh, biggest pet peeve of this movie. Did you watch the trailer for this movie? No, I don't watch okay. trailers. So there's a trailer. So in the trailer, Morbius has a line where someone's like, who, who are you? And he goes, I am Venom. Just kidding. It's Dr. Michael Morbius at your service. And I'm like, okay, a good joke. Not bad. Right? They cut the punchline out of the movie. So What? Wait, so how does it go in the movie? So in the movie, it goes, who are you? I am Venom. Scene carries on. What? <laughs> okay. Not only does that not make sense. I'm confused now. Yeah, right? Like, you're not, right? Like, I'm in the right movie? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I thinking about it now, it makes sense in the sense of he didn't want to reveal his identity because he's kind of on the run from the law. So saying, hi, I'm Michael Morbius, FBI's Most Wanted, isn't the best idea. But then it just cut the whole joke. <laughs> right. Well, also, they have no idea who Venom is. It just they doesn't do. make they do they do in this yeah. scenario. Yeah, dude, I'm just over it. I'm just starting to realize I don't like Jared Leto in anything. That's fine. He was okay in House of Gucci because he was playing a cartoon character, but in this, it's yeah, he's it, he was nothing. He could have been anybody. Cool. I'm down for that because I'm just not. I'm just not a fan, and that's not his fault. It's just a me thing. I don't think he fits my aesthetic. I don't think he fits most of the things I like. Um, so. Out of 10, what do you think? Five. Flat five. Okay. Not bad. Um, we're going to start off with them in the order I watched them. I watched The Wrath of Man, Jason Statham movie, uh, Guy Ritchie directed. Yeah, which, it's been on my list. I knew it was going to be good when Guy Ritchie was doing it, bro. He's yeah. like one of my top five directors now, mm -hmm. purely off of The Gentleman and this movie. It's his aesthetic. And Man from Uncle, if you want to throw well, that And Man from too. Uncle. Um is very Kingsman-esque, but a lit like a tinge darker. Sure. And I, dude, that's a sweet spot. This movie, I'm giving, I'm gonna give you spoil the rating up front. 
it's getting an eight out of 10 as a movie. It's a six, 6.5 out of 10, but the aesthetic is right up my alley, dude. So I think you'll like it as well. It's just a little bit darker. It's basically about a guy who organizes illegal activities for a group of people. And then he sends those contracts out. So he goes, all right, I have a bank robbery all planned out. Um, if someone wants to do it, me or my guys will give them the plans and we'll help them do it. That's and then awesome. they just give us a cut. All right. So we also have this robbery set up. It's all planned out. We'll set it up for you. What ends up happening is he's with his son one day. Um, he's got custody at this time. And they're like, hey, all of our guys um, are out. We need someone to help with this robbery real quick. And he goes, I'm with my son. I'm not doing it. And what ends up happening, he goes, all right, I'll help you real quick. And he ends up helping the guys that commit the robbery. And in the course of the robbery, they kill his son. Oh, awesome. So this guy gets a job um, for the uh, cash truck company, um, like Brinks, and tries to see if he can figure out who carried out the heist. Because he contracted it. He knew how they did it. But they don't know if there's an inside man. He doesn't know who's involved. He wants to find the person that killed his son. So now he's working for an armored truck company. And he's John Wick level shooting abilities. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm going to watch this movie soon. It's dark. It's fire. It's rated R. It's two hours long, not a hair more. And it's just an aesthetic masterpiece. And dude, there's so it's there's an unbelievable amount of action. There's always something going on when there's a little bit. Also, it's got an altered timeline. So they don't tell the story linearly. Linearly, which makes it even cooler. Mm. Big fan. Eight out of ten. Loved it. I watched The Lost City with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. Oh, boy. Not bad. Actually, kind of good. So so here's the premise of the movie. Sandra Bullock is a a romance writer. She writes Fabio-like books. But she has, like, a doctorate in Egyptology. Or she's she's an academic at heart. Okay. So, So... she weaves kind of like at academic uh, narratives into her books. And Daniel Radcliffe, this eccentric billionaire, kidnaps her and says, hey, in this book you just wrote, you translated a language that nobody has ever been able to translate. So I'm going to take you to this island. We're going to find this missing crown of fire and you're going to help me translate everything to get me there. And, and Channing Tatum is the cover model for all of her books. She Kate, Channing Tatum is her Fabio. And he gets, you know, into this adventure as well. He tries to save her. And there's this very, like, academic versus... Pretty to be- look at. Yeah, kind of dynamic. It's very funny. It doesn't take itself very seriously. It's super tropey. It's super cheesy. There are, it's actually, it has like a pretty wholesome ending, all things considered. There are some really cute moments in it all. But if you want like the perfect popcorn comedy, like this is it. Like flat seven. Oh, that's better than I thought you were going to do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put these two things together. I watched the Blade Runner and then Blade Runner 2049. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll open up by saying I've watched the first Blade Runner twice. And both times I walked away thinking, what did everybody else see that I didn't? Dude, same here. I'm like, there's got to be more to this movie than what I'm seeing. Because that movie is super filmy. And for a movie about androids taking over society, kind of boring. 
dude, I was thinking, hey, do you know what this movie is? It's iRobot, just worse. Yeah. It's just worse. It has total recall aesthetic and vibes, but it's just not, it's, I give it a four out of 10, dude. Four out of 10. And the only reason I gave it a four out of 10 is because they put half their budget in cinematography. And it was, it was obnoxious. I felt like I had to give it that score because they worked hard. This, that movie is beautiful and the cinematography is gorgeous. It's just so boring. Yeah. I got nominated for two Oscars. Um, visual, uh, best effects, visual effects, and then art direction and set direction, which makes sense. It's got Harrison Ford in it, who, um, not a fan of, to be honest. Take him or leave him. He's just plays. He's not the, he's not playing himself, but he plays the same kind of character. Sort of like Jason Statham plays the same kind of character. Um, so this is like super rough around the edges, disgruntled dude. It's just old at this point. On the edges of his profession. Right. The movie came out in 1982. I'm cutting it a little bit of slack. For those of you who don't know, Craig kind of mentioned it. A Blade Runner is a person who's looking for AI. Um, and these AI look exactly like humans. And they think like humans and they most of them have emotions. Um, but they're blend. there's a couple, there's four of them or five of them that went rogue. And now they're trying to like kill people and blend in with the human population. So he's like a cop who's hunting down these AI. And he ends up falling in love with one of them, which seems, by the way, like a side note in this movie. It really does. It feels like, oh, we got 15 minutes left. Wrap it up. Make it a happy ending. He falls in love with one because she's really not in that much of the movie. And that movie, I was so put off by the first Blade Runner that I have not seen Blade Runner 2049 yet. So tell me about that. It's better. It's way better. Good. It's got just as much cinematography and it. Doesn't pick up where the first Blade Runner left off, but they're connected. Okay. Um, Harrison Ford comes back. Um, it's based around the fact that um, Harrison Ford is believed to have gotten this AI pregnant. Okay. And that's a big deal. Sure. And Jared Leto is the evil billionaire in this. And he goes, do you know how much money and resources we're wasting on making these AI if we could just breed them. We need to find Harrison Ford. We need to find the baby. We need to find the AI so we can just start breeding them into, you know, more and more slaves. And it's exactly like that. And of course I hated Jared Leto, but he plays a very good bad guy and creepy dude. Um Ryan Gosling freaking killed it in this. Ana de Armas is in it. She did very well as well. Um it's just a dope story. I don't want to spoil too much. Um Cinematography, again, is phenomenal, just like the first one. I think the story was just better. I will sure. say this movie's too long. It's two hours and 44 minutes. Oh. Um, Harrison Ford doesn't get introduced till an hour and a half in. No, no you're kidding. I am dead serious. You're kidding. We're past the halfway point, and then we meet Harrison Ford. Oh, no. So, like, it's the point where you kind of forget he's in the movie. He's on the poster. Yeah. He's in the last hour um, and he's important, but come on, come on. Um, it's a lot of world building. It's a lot of, this is the world we're living in. It's a lot of backstory. It's just a slow burn, bro. It's a very slow burn. It's good, but it helps to watch the first Blade Runner. So I'm glad you won't have to watch that again. Um, and you just need to sit down and be like, this might be sci-fi, but it's very filmy. Um, I'm giving it a seven and a half out of 10. Okay. I... What, so James Acaster has a set of stand-up specials on Netflix called The Repertoire Set, and I watched through those, 
and James A. Caster. I, I really liked him. I like him on British panel TV shows. Like, he's amazing on Taskmaster. Okay. But watching him do stand-up is weird because he will do 10 minutes of, like, some of the funniest stuff you'll hear. And then he'll do 10 minutes of why am I listening to this man talk? Like, oh, no, dude. almost to the point where it's like, where, like, I almost want to turn it off, but I know it's going to come around at some point. Because what James Acaster does for comedy is he almost sets up, like, skits or sketches. It's like a one-person dialogue with himself where um, he just sets up a lot of random details that will then pay off later in the scene. And there's just a bunch of nonsense in between the scene that is just, like, it's very British humor, where he kind of you just, a British humor guy? Not particularly. Okay. I don't... I'm not. So I can make it work with certain people. Like yeah. Ricky Gervais. I can make it work, bro. Um, I think... Uh, what's his name? Jimmy Carr is another one. But yeah. I would say it's few and far between because it's it gets a little too artsy, a little for too me, serious. A, for me, it gets a little too absurdist. Okay. Where... He just starts doing like voices and saying nonsense words. And I'm like, you're doing nothing here. And so what I would say with that is if you're going to watch the James Acaster sets, watch the first one. And if it doesn't do it for you, you're not going to make it through three more. (laughs) A bold move to put up that many all at once. I don't know if it was all at once, but all I know is that there are four James A. Caster stand-up specials in a single collection called Repertoire on Netflix. Okay. I um, probably won't be watching it. That's it doesn't fine. Seem like my thing. It's like a I, I I don't know if we give stand-ups rating. It was like a six and a half. Sure. So like so like there's genuinely a lot of funny stuff in it. It's just like kind of like getting through the tr- the trenches to get to it. Gotcha. Yikes, man. Um, and I'm a stand-up comedy fan. Um, next one. Deep Water, Ben Affleck, Ana de Armas. My Ooh, lady's back. I'm excited back. to hear about this. It blows. That's what I've heard. It, dude, I almost didn't want to watch this movie because I heard it wasn't very good and Ana de Armas can do no wrong in my mind. She can. It turns out <laughs> I'm not blind to love, bro. I'm not blind. She, it was weak. I don't know why she signed on to this project. I know her and Ben Affleck were in a relationship either before, during or after this movie. It was not good. If you want to watch a romance with Ben Affleck, watch Gone Girl. It's a million times better. And it's the same themes, by the way. Um, For all you at home who don't know what Deepwater is, it's a Hulu original about a husband who's filthy rich for selling chips um, to like drones and stuff. And he allows his wife to have affairs uh, in order to avoid a divorce because obviously she would take half his money. Um, But he starts to be a suspect in the disappearance of her lovers. That's the movie. Oh, that's it. There is nothing else. That is also kind of a spoiler. Because <laughs> that's it. That's all that happens in the movie. There's no something else. That's exactly what it is. The, like and, there's no turning point like in Gone Girl when she's framing him. No, it's like, no, he's a suspect. She's cheating on him. He knows about it. Won't leave because he doesn't want a divorce. And he puts up with it. I mean, there's a couple things where he allows his wife. He isn't okay with it. It makes him very uncomfortable. And his friends are like, hey, man, this is not cool. It's weird that she's like kissing a guy and we're all around. 
Like that <laughs> feels uncomfortable. And he, we know you're uncomfortable with it. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. She's obviously not sleeping with them. They're, ha- they're just friends. It's just <laughs> weird. It's not a good movie. I would not recommend this to anyone. It's just like, it's banking. It's banking and relying way too hard on like the tension of sex. But what it ends up being is this is so uncomfortable. We just want it to stop. Hey, can you just like love this guy and just because they also have a kid together and then that kid will also meet these friends. And she's like, hey, dad, who are all these guys that mom's bringing around? That's weird, also, right? There's also just already kind of like a personally unsettling age difference between the two of them. Yeah, because I mean, the reason it's happening is because he's filthy rich and she's like in real life. Thirty three. He's like, what, 50 something like something, that. 50 something. It's just. It's just uncomfortable. Um, in real life, he is uh, exactly 50. So there's a 17-year age gap, which is not crazy. It's, it could be worse. It's just weird. I wouldn't recommend this movie. I'm giving it a f- four and a half because okay. the plot is easy to follow. Um, but like, it's not good. Don't watch it unless this happens to be your thing. But I don't know anyone who's this would be their thing. Uh, emotionally saw- scarred and sexually charged young adults i guess it's just weird bro this is i don't maybe moms who are at home during the work day and their kids aren't around and they're just having wine at two o'clock in the afternoon want something to watch it's not good don't recommend all right i played this game called tunic okay it's on game pass so i didn't have to pay any more for it which is probably the best part of the game that that makes it sound like it's a bad game it's a good game it's um it's pretty much a modern version of the original Legend of Zelda, which is to say there's an overworld where you go from place to place, you fight bad guys in this overworld, but that's not kind of the main point of the game. The main point of the game is you go into these dungeons, you traverse the dungeons, you get an item from the dungeon, and that unlocks a new part of the map. Uh, it's kind of like a it's a top-down, sword-fighty kind of game. You get okay. some magic items. It's The charm of this game is how much it is built like an old-school NES or SNES dungeon crawler game. Mm-hmm. B- because the collectibles in this game are pages of an instruction booklet done oh in the gosh. style of those instruction booklets from that era. Oh, my gosh, bro. <laughs> And all of the and so you would get these collectibles and they have like little clues because most of the game is written in some undecipherable language. And so you would get bits and pieces of words here and there like dot dot stamina, dot 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 damage, dot dot action roll, stuff like that. And so you would get these instruction pages with languages that you don't understand. So you're kind of like deciphering the one or two English words that you can with the pictures and the arrows that are drawn. And you're like, so I need to go to the West garden and take this ladder up. And then I can turn into this. That'll do that. And like, it's, if that's your kind of style of game, if you like legend of Zelda games, this is probably the best legend of Zelda. That's going to come on Xbox. Just like straight up. Um, it's a little hard. Um, the combat can get a little rough, um, and the puzzle the puzzles aren't daunting, but it's very easy to get lost in the overworld of like, well, where am I supposed to go next? So I had to look up a few guides just to get me where I was going. But if you're looking for 
a dungeon crawler type Legend of Zelda puzzly sword bomby arrows kind of game, then tu- Tunic is Tunic is where you go. It t- it was like fifteen hours for me. Just know that you're gonna have to rely on rely on a guide or dedicate time, right? Yep. Yep. Well, everyone knows I ain't gonna be playing that game. No, you are. That sounds interesting. Oh yeah, super I probably interesting. would watch a little bit of gameplay if Definitely. the conversation was interesting. Um, next I watched The Green Knight. Okay. This movie also bad. If you're okay, detecting a theme, I picked bad movies, bro. Um, this movie is just cinematography. That's this entire movie. It's medieval cinematography. The plot sucks. It is bad. Do you be honest? One of the worst plots I've ever ever seen. Okay, so this movie, if I remember correctly, it's a retelling of like Lancelot. Um, it's one of the Knights of the Round Table. So it's uh epic fantasy adventure based on the timeless Arthurian legend. The Green Knight tells of Sir Gawain, King okay, Arthur's Gawain. reckless, headstrong nem- nephew who embarks on a daring quest. Okay. I-, I thought it was Gawain. I was just too afraid to say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's okay. And I'm going to keep this short because no one should dedicate their time to this movie. Here's the plot of the movie. Guy wants to prove himself. A mysterious monster comes into the court, says whoever scratches or kills me or touches me will have untold riches and fame for the next year. And then will have to return to me next Christmas and I will deal to him a blow, either a slap or a slash across the throat. And he'll just have to endure whatever I give him. And then this guy wanting to prove himself says, you know what? This character obviously is played by Dave Patel. I will take up that mantle, whatever. He goes over, cuts the guy's head off. Then 30 minutes passes. I have no idea what happens. Then an hour, and then about 45 minutes in, he starts a quest. He's like, I'm going to have to go back to the chapel to see this guy. The year is up. It is Christmas again. By the way, he's not filthy rich. He's kind of famous. They talk about it later in the movie, like, oh, we've all heard of you. You're a legend. And we're all like, for what? He didn't do anything. The guy didn't fight back. There was no fighting. He just went up with a sword and cut the guy's neck. But like he was kneeling. Like there was no fighting at all. It was obnoxious. So he goes on this journey and it was just cinematography, dude. It was an hour of cinematography. Nothing happened. Nothing. It was walking, being cold, walking, getting robbed, walking, meeting a fox, walking, <laughs> finding a castle. Hey, you can stay with us. We've heard of you. The chapel you've been seeking is not that far away. Okay. He gets tempted, leaves. Why are you leaving? I'm uncomfortable here. Meets the giant. And now we're two hours into the movie. (laughs) And in the last 10 minutes, we have this whole thing where he realizes he is too scared to run away. And he envisions his life of he is too chicken to face the consequences. And then there's a five minute flash forward of this is what your life would be like if you didn't face the consequences. He decides, spoiler alert, I'm going to face the consequences. He dies. End of the movie. It is whack. It's just a art students love letter to other art students it's a terrible watch it's pretty but it's a horrible watch dude it's more boring than blade runner Ooh, wow it's bad and for that reason i'm giving it a four same as blade runner i'm giving it the same as blade runner and to be honest i would probably give it a 3.5 if 3.5s didn't have such a horrible reputation so i'm gonna give it a (laughs) 3.8 or 3.75 it's a trash movie dude uh, the last thing that I have to talk about is I've been playing Tiny, Te- Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is uh, the new Borderlands game. It's a spinoff title in the Borderlands franchise. And I this is the first Borderlands game where I picked the wrong class. 
And let me tell you, picking the wrong class in a Borderlands game can really, I'm going to say, ruin your experience. (laughs) So instead of grenades, you have spells in this because it's it's fantasy-themed. And I picked a class where you could send something into the air, and every time you dealt gun damage to the creature, there was a percent chance that your spell would recharge faster. So... I'm ne- so instead of just fighting the bad guys and using my spells normally, I'm now juggling also shooting this creature in the air, but not with a gun that's too strong because I can't kill it quickly because I need to hit it as many times as possible for that percent chance to be in my favor, uh, which sucked, was not fun. Yeah, and so, I, I bet. <laughs> so eventually I got to a point where... I got another feature in that class where instead of having that ability, I could just replace it with a different spell. So instead of having one spell and an ability, I would just have two spells. So I opt- <laughs> so I opted for that. And let me tell you, the game's been great since then. Oh my gosh. I've been having way more fun with the game. Um, and it's just one of those, like, if you like Borderlands, you're going to like this. If you don't like Borderlands, you're not going to like this. So I'm having fun with it, but at the end of the day, it's a Borderlands game. So okay. if you're, uh, hey, if you're thinking of picking up this game, don't choose the spell sword class. Choose anything else. Good Friendly tip from your local know. Craig guy. Um, last two things. I watched Sorry to Bother You. That movie rules. Movie's trash. Movie is good. It's trash. I hate movies that are just a metaphor for something else. And that's all this movie is, is a metaphor for something else. It's a, a black dude who has to put on a white voice. And there's, by the way, star-studded cast. Yeah. The, uh, I was hoping for the best, bro. And uh, I was let down. I like that movie because it gets weird. That movie lets yeah, it itself gets weird. Because, like you said, yeah. So it's this black guy that works for a call center. Mm-hmm. And... The, and another black guy is like, hey, in order to perform better, use a white voice. And then when they're taking calls, they're dubbed over by white guys. One of them is David Cross. I think the other one is Pat Oswalt, like white guys. And then about halfway through the movie, I don't want to tell you what happens, but it gets like 10 out of 10 times weirder than that. Okay. Not 10 out of times, 10 out of 10 times. Just... 10 times weirder, bro. And that w- it's not even like the last half. It's like the last 40 minutes. It just escalates to a thousand. And um, I'm not about it. A lot of, I've, I was looking for the reviews. I'm like, obviously I missed something. I wanted to like this movie a lot. No, I didn't miss anything. It's just a Twilight Zone-esque is one review. Um, Metaphor for today's time is another review. It's just this movie means something else. It's entertaining and it's weird and it's, artistic you can say all that but it is the reason it struck a chord with so many people is like oh this this is just like today's capitalism this is just what it feels like to have the american dream but start to succeed this is what it feels like to be a black man in america and the whole time i'm thinking yeah but they're not saying any of that stuff yeah i didn't like that movie because it was saying that stuff i like the movie because it was weird and it let itself be weird and i don't i i dig weird movies sometimes like see uh, guns akimbo weird movie this movie was just like, it wasn't, it was weirdly done, which I'm cool with. That's just like a, that's like a, a choice where the actors make, directors make, writers make when they're making the script. Like, hey, we'll have them dubbed. That's a weird choice. The end of the movie 
is just weird. It's just weird, bro. And I was not here for it. And I'm giving it a four out of 10. That's four movies I watched, bro, that were sub fives. And then we're going to conclude with Death on the Nile, which you said was not good. And I confirmed it's not good. It's not I good. Said, I, I think I said, I, I, yeah, I gave like a general lukewarm, okay review of it. Yeah, I'm giving it the same thing. The reason it's not great is because the first hour sucks. Yeah, right? It's a murder mystery that's two hours and seven minutes long. The first person doesn't die till an hour in. Which if they would have just cleaned wild. that up, bro, it would be better. If they just cleaned that up, it'd be a million times better. Yeah. I will so, say if you liked Knives Out and can deal with a little bit more drama, a little bit more theater, then you'd probably like this. It's not going to be as good as Knives Out, but it's the same movie. I mean, there's also Murder on the Orient Express, which is yeah. literally the same movie, but in a different setting. Yeah. So if you're into that kind of thing, I would recommend this movie. I'm giving it a five out of five. It's got, nope, again. No, you aren't. You said five out of five. I'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10 because it's just an okay movie. Yeah. The first half sucks. The last half gets way better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it averages as a 5.5 out of 10. Um, like I said, great cast. Russell Brand, Tom Bateman, Kenneth Barnow from Tenant, Gal Gadot, who I'm on the fence about, and I think it's getting worse. I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was just okay. I mean, yeah. I might watch another one if they make another one. We'll see, but I, I'm not sold either way. Dude, I watched two Army Hammer movies, um, two, uh, what's his face, Harrison Ford movies, uh, two Ana de Armas movies, and I was not impressed. Well, maybe we can get you to some better movies. <laughs> Probably with next week's movie, but we'll talk about that at the final. What a wild shot extra. to call. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to our one hit wonder. Let's do this one-hit wonder is called Side Effects May Include. Very simple. We're just going to make up some medicines, what it treats, and what some of the side effects might be. Perfect. Uh, actually, we don't need to come up with medicine names because have you looked at how they name medicine? It's kind of bonkers. Yeah. You can just say gibberish. Yeah. And it counts. Like, oh, yeah, this counts as medicine, I guess. Um, but it's okay. Cause I'm here to offer you a sleeping pill. Uh, take this, you know, 20 minutes before bed and you're going to be able to sleep a full eight hours. The only side effect is you will be running the entire time. Not like sleep, not like horizontal running. Like you're going to get up and you're going to be doing laps around your neighborhood, but you're going to wake up full eight hours of sleep. I mean, yeah, I guess I'll take it. Um, I, man, that's confusing. Uh, <laughs> I got a medication. It's for people who experience depression and they need to feel a little bit of happiness in their life and their lows don't need to be as low as they are. And it's called uh, crack, not <laughs> not confused with the drug. Completely different. It's just called crack. Okay. And this drug called crack, spelled with a K on both ends. <laughs> um, the, the interesting thing about this and what gives you happiness is it makes your dreams indistinguishable from real life and it just makes your (laughs) dreams happy and incredible so what ends up happening is although you may feel depressed quote unquote while you're awake it'll just feel like the boring part of your dream and then when you go to sleep you won't know you're sleeping you'll just live an adventurous and amazing life during this crack high i think i'm good thank you though uh (laughs) i have a medicine here and it is medically proven to make you funnier the side effect is you have to do 82 podcasts before you reach that point. Mm. 
So we probably should have taken this pill a little while ago. At the beginning, huh? (laughs) Next time, next week, going to be a banger. I have this pill. It's a liquid gel, explodes in your mouth. Don't like um, that. No, it doesn't. It does. Gross. It 100% explodes in your mouth. Touches your tongue, explodes. And it is 100% guaranteed charm and charisma. Are a couple side effects. Most of them involve delusions, arrogance, narcissism. <laughs> um, it does guarantee that you run for office. Can't guarantee that you'll win, but you'll find <laughs> the need and the drive to have to run against something you have to compete in an election to fulfill your ego um but while you know doing all these actions your charisma off the charts your charm undeniable you can't help but be likable okay so i just got the the review from the surgeon general and they're saying that this isn't actually a charisma boost it's just an arrogance booster Mm-hmm. no no comment no um, okay all right fair enough seems fair um I have this medicine. It's an injection. Uh, right. What it does is it turns your blood red while it's inside of you and blue when you bleed it. So it just kind of like inverts the color of what it's supposed to be. Okay. Uh, the side effect is mass night terrors. Incredible night terrors. N- consistent night terrors. Um, there's also a Surgeon General's note on yours. Says, do not take to change the color of your blood. It has been proven that while your blood is in your body, it is in fact red. So no reason to change it. I thought it was blue while it was in your body, and then the oxygen oxidizes it into red. Nope, just a myth. It's red, both. I think the color of your veins are blue, but the blood inside of it is still red. So you just dyed people's <laughs> blood blue when it leaves the body. <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess so. Oh yeah, here's an NPR article saying that. All right, well... Oh, man, I got to get better doctors. So very similar to your pill, um, it turns your blood blue Kool-Aid when it leaves your body. (laughs) Um, Okay. It has been found that when blood tastes good, donors are 99.9% more likely to donate to others in hopes that they will also be donated to them. It also cures hydration and vampirism. Vampirize it. You know what I mean? It makes people Edward Cullen. Unfortunate side effects. Um, people often die from bleeding out, wanting to taste <laughs> their own blood. Um, your flavor might not, in fact, be blue. It could be other flavors of Kool-Aid. We haven't quite broken down what flavors are which. Uh, it does seem to affect the different races of people differently. Okay. Um, yes. I think I'm good. Thank you, though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I have this pill that will, um, permanently or not permanently, but for as long as you take it, um, it will change the color of your nails, uh, to, you know, whatever color, you know, we have different varieties of this pill. Um, so that way you don't need to apply nail polish or get acrylics or get your nails done or anything like that. Uh, the side effect is they do, you do get the coloring from the calcium in your bones. So you become much more brittle. When taking oh, this medication. That's a bummer. That's yeah. A bummer. Do you got one more for me? I do. Um, we have an alternative to LASIK and it's 100% free. Uh, the only thing you need to do is inject the serum into your eyeball every morning. Mm. Um, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, how am I going to come at my eye with a needle? 
if you can learn to touch your eye with a contact, you can learn how to take a syringe to your cornea. Okay. Um, so I just want to address that criticism right now. Minor side effects, um, blindness, usually for the first month or so (laughs) (laughs) while your body adjusts. Um, there's also been quite a few muscle spasms, loss of smell, loss of taste, loss of, um, feeling in the lower extremities, um, numbness in the upper extremities with some nerve damage, uh, Top teeth seem to fall out and bottom teeth seem to sharpen. But that's about it. Wow, this one has like a few problems, I'd say. But wouldn't you like to have 20-20 vision? I guess so. That was side effects something or other. Forgot the title already. Okay. Side effects may include. It was, it was, it was what I said. Um, we've already done our freeballing segment technically. So we're just going to move on. And Alex, what are we watching next week? We're watching... A childhood favorite of mine. We did it for Craig. We're going to do it for me. And I'm bringing back the legend. This landmarked of my life. Spy Kids 2. Spy Kids 2. You heard it here. Better than Blade Runner. Let's talk about it next week. I haven't seen it since I was nine. I'll let you know if it holds up next week. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces.